what is going on everyone welcome back to another week of swipe up this week we have on jimmy slegel who is the founder of trendy a tiktok marketing agency or as you'll come to find out a video marketing company uh jimmy's a guy that i've known for quite some time i'm trying to think back of to when jimmy and i really first got connected it was probably something over linkedin you know he puts out great content there uh i do the same or at one point i did and so we kind of got connected that's a couple like-minded guys he also i came to find out was involved in the sports theme page space which is awesome he actually sold his account to wave tv and was working as a social media manager for them for a while we get into all of this and, and this is just rambling at this point i do want to apologize i did mess up in this episode for some reason the way i recorded i but it's recording from my AirPods and not from this lovely, silky smooth microphone that you're hearing me from. So my audio quality on this call is horseshit, to be quite honest with you. Jimmy is great. My audio quality is not great. So I hope that you can p- power through that. Uh, Jimmy and I talk a lot about TikTok, obviously that being his bread and butter, but uh, where we see social media going, uh, sort of the rationale behind his marketing agency and, and his value proposition to clients. I, it was a really cool conversation, not one I get to have often because I'm dealing with the same things as sort of this independent one-man contracting show. Uh, you know, I'm pitching the same solutions to the same problems and, and trying to overcome the same hurdles that he and his team are. So if you're interested in, in somebody who's, you know, our age, assuming that you're in your early to mid twenties, uh, somebody that's killing it in the marketing and, and entrepreneurial space, I think you're going to love this episode. Uh, be on the lookout for next week. I, I think I'm going to do a sit down, a, a breakdown of the Instagram CEO. He, he launched a, a video recently about the importance of video and the direction that platform is taking it, uh, calling out platforms like TikTok and Snapchat specifically. So I'll do reaction to that video next week. This one, we're talking all about uh, marketing agencies, value propositions, the hurdles that we have to get over with clients. It's an awesome conversation. Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Make sure to go follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, Make sure to go follow Trend Z on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. I hope you guys all enjoy this episode. Take care. So uh, I'm trying to think about the last time we were catching up and the last time that we talked. I think it was, you know, you did try to get me to work for you, obviously, because but um, you were just starting and I, I would ballpark it probably sometime earlier this year in 2021, maybe it was even late, yeah. um, but you were yeah. going to start Trendsy, which is obviously your, your TikTok marketing agency. Um, just want to hear how, how that has been going. Are you still in business? It's always a difficult question for me to answer because I just had a big family reunion thing and I had to basically explain all the people what I do for a living, which is hard to do when you're yep. old. You know, those people are the age of 40. And so, I started with, I worked for myself, and then when they ask, okay, how's that going? It's hard to say. You don't want to just say good, but I'd make the joke, hey, I started in January, and I'm still in business in July, so that's got to be a marker of some success. And I had to hire a couple of people along the way, so yeah. it can't be going too badly, but how do you answer that question? Yeah, I mean, you know, I would say every day we learn something new is, is the best way to put it. Um, TikTok is a changing platform every single day, and so um, for us, it really is how can we get to that point of, you know, having a success rate of, call it, you know, 40, 50% to that 80, 90% with our clients. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that we are trying to uh, achieve right now. So we've had success with businesses, which is awesome. And obviously that's how you can keep the momentum going forward, but it's more so for, for us right now is like, how can we find that consistency with every company that we work with um, to at least know that, you know, there's a good chance that we are going to see success. And then the other, the other aspect of it too is, us figuring out the timeline that it takes for success. Cause some clients we've had, you know, within two months, we're able to generate, you know, a couple million views. And then for others, it's like, you know, 
barely cracking 10,000 views on our videos. And so um, that's probably the biggest thing is just how can we get to that point where it's more predictable, but business has been going well. Um, we, uh, we're, we're growing um, at, at a pretty good rate. And, you know, right now it's, I believe that marketing agencies really can only scale as strong as their processes that they have in place. Um, and so right now we're really in this mode of like preparing for that growth that um, we think will come. Um, so it's just making sure our processes are completely, you know, fine tuned. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that so hard? It's, I feel the same thing that I'm going through where, I don't have a whole team built all around me, you know, I'll hire a freelancer here and there to help the project. But right now I'm totally in the mode of, in order for me to grow, I have to start, stop trading my time for money, right? I mean, that's like the, you don't, you only have so much time and it's just the absolute Achilles heel of any marketing agency, contractor, freelancer, whatever you want to call yourself, um, is how do you get away from trading your time for money? And I think yeah. it's in those processes, but how have you been thinking about that challenge? Because I mean, for me, it's been, yeah, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. For me, you know, it, it, when we started going down the TikTok route, one, I, I just had to really evaluate what my strengths were within the business and what my weaknesses were within the business. And one of my strengths is not necessarily like video production or graphic design or any of like the true creative matter that goes into the ideas. I can think of good ideas, but in terms of like the actual execution, it came down to like, it would probably take me, you know, four hours to make something as good as someone could probably do it in like an hour. And in my mind, it just justifies so easily like, Hey, I'll bring someone on as like a co-founder or, um, you know, start to try to pay people as soon as possible um, to really allow them to like handle the areas where I don't excel in. And so um, that's how I approached it right away. It's just, I knew that this was a, a model that a lot of businesses were going to be interested in and I didn't want to mess it up or, you know, really put a limit to myself based on what I personally could do compared to what, you know, we could achieve as a team. Yeah, I completely agree. How do you structure your agreements with these businesses? Because when I'm looking at things, I think I'm even in a more, I would call it traditional space than you are. I think TikTok is sort of short from video specifically sort of on this like bleeding edge of what companies are not sure if they need to get into not sure what they need to pay for it. And I run into this problem with managing somebody's Instagram page, something that you and I would say is a no brainer that you need to be doing. Uh, yeah. And companies are like, well, I don't know if I need to be doing this. And if I do, I don't think I can spend more than a hundred, 200 bucks a month to have you run it. It's like pulling your hair out because I think you and I both I would agree that it's worth a little bit more. So how are you communicating the benefit of what you guys do to your clients and then figuring that into a pricing structure that works for both of you? Yeah. Um, and so honestly, this probably changes on a you know, week to week or month to month basis on, on what we're deciding. It's, it's always like that decision, like, well, do we go with more of like a pay per performance model where then it's easier to sell because both parties are, would mutually benefit from success? Or do we really set like a flat fee and just try to grow and scale in that manner as well? Um, so, yeah, it, it's it, it's really hard to just pinpoint one specific model. I would say, you know, how we sell TikTok is the idea of um, first and foremost, like our ideal customers are usually doing anywhere from five to 40 million in revenue a year. And so it's not like they're very like penny pincher on how much they can spend. It's more so just like the ROI is usually what we hear a lot and wanting to know that um, they're putting, you know, their, their work in, in people's hands that they feel that they can get a benefit. So for us, I mean, we sell it more as like an SEO sort of feel where 
you're probably not going to see results right away. Like if you're expecting to go viral within the first four or five months, like we can probably just stop this conversation now because it's so much of like a testing. But if you're able to figure out what that audience likes and what the algorithm really um, pushes out for your specific product, um, I mean, it, TikTok can be an absolute game changer. I love this story. There's a, there was a peanut butter, uh, a flavored peanut butter company that was based out of uh, South Dakota. And I always tell this story to my clients because for us, it's like, how can we get them to see the big picture of what we're working towards? Um, flavored peanut butter company uh, started in 2017. Um, and then they officially went full-time. It's a couple officially went full-time with it in 2019. Um, they were doing about 8,000 in revenue a month, uh, selling these like flavored peanut butter jars. Um, so first, first six months of 2020, they were doing about 8,000 in revenue a month. Then June came and they launched three new flavors and, uh, and they decided to use influencers on Instagram to promote their new drop and try to just build this huge wave of excitement. Um, they ended up doing, I think, 27,000 in revenue um, in June off of these three new launches, which I mean, is pretty good. But they said that they found like working with the Instagram influencers to just be really challenging and difficult because they wanted like a retainer. Um, they wanted them to like work through an agent and like all this crazy stuff. And so then um, they decided to go on TikTok in July and they worked with two influencers. Both had right around 500,000 followers. And both influencers on TikTok were like completely shocked that a brand would be wanting to, you know, have them promote their product. Um, and it's just nuts. The, the post went viral. Um, that ended, that helped them to do 120,000 in revenue um, in July alone, which caused them to have like a huge like shortage of their stock and had to reevaluate their supply chain and everything, which led to like a scarcity effect. Um, so more people wanted it. In August, they did 400,000 in revenue alone. So in two months, they went from doing, you know, 8,000 in revenue to 400,000. Um, and, and that's like the power that TikTok can have. Now, whether it takes two months or it takes two years, um, that possibility is out there. And that's really what we sell them on is like, hey, you know, we can't tell you how long it's going to take, but when it happens, you know, your business will be completely transformed. Yeah, how do you reel those expectations back in though? Because I think it'd be really easy for you to then sit and tell that story and for them, that client to be three months down the line, okay, why aren't we here yet? You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you manage those expectations and put the guardrails up where you're like, okay, we're, we're getting there, but we're not there yet and here's why. Yep, again, that's why like we tell them if you're expecting to go viral within you know four, five, six months, like we can probably just stop working together. This is very much a long-term play think of it more of like, you know, a year to two years to really see those sort of uh, results. Um, and, and we can't promise like a specific ROI. And so we have to be, we have to try to give them every reason to not work with us because of those expectations. And then the people that truly are like, you know, we're willing to invest it. We see the potential it has. Um, let's do this thing. Like that's then when we're going to have a much better relationship in general. Do you see that a lot of people, you know, I don't, I don't know how your business works, for you know, inbound versus outbound leads, but are a lot of people coming to you and they're like, okay, no, we have to do this, so we should get this done? Or is it more of you can going out and basically convincing people that this is something important for them to do? Because I feel like those are two very distinct client relationships. I'm just curious how your business right now breaks down between those types of people. Yeah, so really the stage that we're in right now, uh, the, the cycle of our business was, you know, we officially launched January of 2021 or end of December 2020. Um, and the first probably 
three months, we were super focused on just sales because we needed case studies. That was the biggest thing that we were trying to get. Um, and so through March, um, it was just a complete sales approach, which really helped us because we figured out what works and what doesn't work. Like we started off offering, I think six, eight and 12 videos a month. Um, and we were focusing more on like high end TikTok videos, cinematic in a sense. Uh, we quickly realized that like it's a volume game at that point. So now our packages don't start until, or start at 20 videos a month. Um, and so it's, it's very high uh, production and we still try to throw in some, you know, more ad like content, but um, for the most part, we're just trying to get as many videos out as possible. Anyway, so the first three months was sales. And now from like March ish to July, it really has been us like honing in our processes realizing what we need to improve upon, getting to those case studies finalized and kind of put in like a graphic format. And now we're just going to be starting um, another sales push here because we're finally in a place where we feel like we can take on more clients and be able to scale our current model. Um, so getting back to your question, those first three months, we really did just like reach out and our, we totally took like a Gary Vee approach. Like, hey, we'll make you a free video just to show you what we're like, just send us over some product and, and we'll make you a TikTok video. And a ton of brands were interested in that. I mean, like we were making videos for um, like Ocean Spray was like, yeah, we'd love to see a video. Um, uh, Iconic wanted to see a video. Um, yeah, we were just in talks with like these pretty big companies that, you know, have hundreds of thousands of followers, if not millions on social media. And that really like made us realize, okay, this is a problem that people have and um, that just helped build those like conversations of what it would look like to work in the future. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear about sort of the, the makeup of your team, especially during that time, uh, you know, maybe during the beginning, but it seems like you guys have a pretty good team built out right now. You've talked about how it's not only you and it, it definitely shouldn't be, but how do you, you know, what is the break makeup of your team in terms of, is this their full-time thing? Is this their only thing? Because I'm sure that induces a lot of, anxiety onto yourself of like if these if this is their only thing you got to support them this is what it is to uh you know this is what their job is and you're the yeah. boss and you have to make sure that they have a uh, a paycheck that you've promised them so what is the uh, the makeup of your team right now and how have you sort of structured that to obviously make sure you guys can be successful because you know you and i have probably both seen people that have just hired to hire and yep. all of a sudden it all comes crumbling down because they didn't need to grow that fast so i'm just curious yep. to learn about that for you yeah. So for us, I mean, one, I, I really do have to be very um, appreciative of our team because they are all probably taking for the most part significant like sacrifice and what their potential income could be because they see the, the future that this thing holds. Um, and so right now there's technically eight of us on the team. Um, two are still in school and use this as more of like a part-time sort of gig. Um, three of us, are technically like equity owners. And so it's that mix right now of like paying yourself some months, you know, putting in the sweat equity for others and just depending on where the business is at. Um, and then we have um, three people that are, this is, I guess one person is out of school, but it's a part-time role. And then um, another person, it's uh, their only role. And then the last one is also like part-time. So a lot of part-time employees, um, we have one full time and then the, the other, the three owners, um, we do this full time and pretty much like our sole income source. Yeah. How scary is that? I mean, is it like, dude, anxiety inducing? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, yeah. it, uh, 
you, you feel just the weight of like how much you impact people's lives. And, um, you know, you, you look at the bank account and you're like, all right. And you look at, you know, what your runway is for the next like three, four months. And especially like in those early months, you know, it, it was pretty like, we need to make something happen, you know, <laughs> quite quickly to, to really sustain this and, and be able to, to persevere through. So, um, yeah, I mean, fortunately we're at a place now, uh, where we, where we are in a more stable condition, but again, the, the thing that is interesting is we haven't done a lot of sales the past three months. It's just been maintaining our current clients, which is fine. But as we started to grow the team, um, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why we're really excited to start up on the sales push again, just so we can have that, um, guaranteed income coming in. Cause a lot of times, like the first clients we had were only two to three month contracts. Um, which is also where we learned that this needs to be more of like a, you know, five, six month contract in order to, uh, to really make sense. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's always, I mean, it's always a challenge to just be able to predict where you're going to be six months, a year from now. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, man. Get some thoughts with it for sure. I, I'm a little bit curious about your process. So my, my, it's often a frustration and probably a, a weakness of mine with the clients that I work with is that I get so locked into a strategy that has worked in other places, or I get so locked into a process that I did with other clients. I want to apply that process with, with this client. Um, and I work, and I'm assuming you do as well, across a lot of different industries with a lot of different uh, use cases, people that need different outcomes, and you certainly have to employ different strategies to get there, right? And for me, it's tough to always juggle all these balls of, okay, this person is here and we need to take X steps to get them to the next place. Like this, this point of iteration and testing for each individual client can be difficult to manage. It can be tricky to put all that mind space to like, you know, I need to be worried about this person because they're sort of in this early stage where they need folks on growth, whereas this person is in a more mature stage. So how do you, the question here is how do you like iterate with a bunch of different clients, do you have a, do you have a process for this? Do you have like a testing structure where you're making sure that you're moving the ball forward for everybody? Because you know I'm guilty of it. Things can get lost sometimes, right? So how do you make sure that that doesn't happen with your clients, but you still are moving the ball forward in a, in a measurable way that makes everybody happy? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us um, is we've really tried to outsource a lot of uh, our whole model right now is trying to get to the point where we can just become this storyboarding I company and we can outsource a lot of the shooting and editing um because on tiktok it really is the idea that counts like sure it needs to look somewhat good and like look like a tiktok video but that's a lot easier to um try to fix and like the true idea and so um you know for us it, i think it comes down to just having an idea of who their ideal customer is so you know let's just take um We'll take Ocean, uh, Ocean Six Spray would be tough. Um, there's a company we work with called The Perfect Gene, um, which is like, I think like Bird Dog X or Chubby's, less frat-like, but the same sort of messaging, and it's for sure. and it's for genes. Um, and so for us, it, it really is like painting that picture of like, who are they trying to reach? What does that person like? Who are they? And building out like this total, you know, customer profile. Because then when we're trying to think of ideas. Um, it's, it's much easier to try to put ourselves in that, 
you know, that person's shoes or to be able to be like, okay, I know someone that fits that exact criteria. I'm going to give him a call and just ask him questions about like what sort of content he likes and just help get an idea in that sense. Um, so for us, it really is like, how can we just control the idea portion and then not necessarily have to worry about like the editing uh, stuff that goes into um, that goes into like the production of a video. Yeah, I, I think that's that's totally fair, and that's something that I've been, you know, working on full transparency myself. Which is, I want to be the strategic arm of whatever I'm doing, and I don't want to be yep. the person that actually has to implement that thing. Uh, I think for what I'm doing, it's even easier because, you know, for instance, I've just hired out um, somebody to do all of the scheduling of the social media posts. So I have a workflow where I can get the content approved by the clients in Airtable, and all the content can be up and you know, captioned and the. the, the Media is there, uh, the platforms are there, the accounts tag are there, and so it just takes somebody to take it from there and just put it in Creator Studio or later, whatever buffer that we're using. Yep. And that's something for, you know, you and I both know a monkey could do it. It's pretty easy yeah. stuff. And so how is it taking the uh, you know, that, that mundane day-to-day -day stuff off your plate and allowing you to focus on the, the stuff that has the higher ROI for your own business, right? Because for, for me, that is trade, scheduling social media content is trading time for money. And yep. the strategy and the uh, the creative direction of it is, is a little bit less of that. So uh, no, it's just been something I've been thinking about recently. Uh, yeah. Echo what you've been saying. Seriously. And that is like the biggest thing that I would recommend to like any brand out there is Upwork and Fiverr are probably the two most underutilized marketing skill that exists on the face of this earth. Um, I mean, if you can just set a system in place to do things like, um, whether it be scheduling social media. I mean, we, we worked with this guy who I think it's like a hundred dollars a month gives us like 20 different um, social media graphics for a brand that we kind of do some like small side work on. Um, and it looks insane. Like it would take us probably an hour to do, which is way more expensive. And the fact that you can just outsource it and they come up with a lot of like the original ideas too. Like it's, it's a complete hands-off approach. Um, so there are so many talented people out there that are so much more affordable than trying to hire like a social media manager full time for their business or, yeah. um, you know, all of these different roles. I, I think there's so much power in just having someone to manage all the Upwork employees like that is that's where businesses should be going. <laughs> yeah. And it, honestly, it's something I feel bad about more often than not, because I, I see, you know, when I pay somebody to edit a video for and I'm the person that is dealing with the creative direction of the channels and stuff like that and it's like man I'm making a killing on this cut and it's it's something I feel bad about but I know I shouldn't feel bad about because these are all consensual agreements and it's like and maybe for me it's just a little bit different because when somebody works with me they're working with me and they're not working yeah. with like a, a, a team or they yeah. don't think they're working with a team but you know takes a village to do all this stuff and I guess I have to feel less bad about that but yeah I mean, do you ever do you ever feel bad about outsourcing like that the the one thing that really changed my whole perspective on it because it, it really just was an eye-opener I read the book uh shoe dog by Phil Knight and obviously like Nike has had their challenges of um like you know having lower income employees across the entire world be building their shoes and everything and it, at the end of the book, he talked about like how he wanted to go in and pay all these people like $10, $12 an hour, what they were making in the U.S. plants as well. And um, the government of these countries came in and said like, 
hey, you can't because if they were making that much money, it would be the equivalent of what like doctors are making. And so our entire economy would just be like, like no one would want to be a doctor. Everyone would just want to go and make shoes for a living, which would throw off like the entire um, balance of um, supply and demand on these other features. And so like, I, I think it's just the difference of, you know, how much a dollar is worth here versus there and how it's so hard for us to think like, wow, you know, $7 an hour is pretty much minimum wage and you're not gonna be able to do a lot of that. Um, but for them, like that's, that's actually a good amount of money and they're probably making more than, um, you know, what a local company would pay them. So, um, that, that perspective and that story really changes my viewpoint on the whole, like, you know, how much you're paying for, um, the services. Yeah, I completely agree. So how, how has it felt? And I, I don't think there's been a lot of turmoil around this recently, but you've really hitched your whole company and the whole feature of, you know, what Trendsy does on a single platform. Um, and I, obviously there are people that do this around whatever, you know, there's, there are people that are experts in Facebook and Twitter and ad specific ad platforms and Instagram and, and all the rest. So you guys have made the conscious effort to stick just to TikTok, you know, explain a little bit about why that is. Have there been any sort of like second guessing, like, Oh, we could, you know, take what we're doing and apply this to X other platform. Um, or is this something that you, you decided you have to look back on? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a great question. Um, it, it's fascinating because like, for us, it really isn't about TikTok that we're doing this. It's much more the excitement of that potential that TikTok has to offer. So it's not necessarily like the ends that we're caring about. It's much more like the means. So for TrendZ, like our mission statement is we just want to help everyone in our entire ecosystem achieve their biggest dreams and goals, whether that be employees, whether that be clients, whether that be the people we outsource work to. Um, we just want to see like the highest success possible and just be a part of their story and their journey. And so right now, when you look at our skill set and our strengths, um, we just see TikTok as being that platform that allows us to hit that goal of, you know, really taking a brand from, you know, call it zero to a hundred, because, you know, I, I always like to work with like the chip on your shoulder mentality. Um, I think we're working with like emerging D2C brands that are trying to fight, you know, the, the Nikes of the world, the Coca-Colas of the world, like these huge brands are just super fun. Um, and being in like those startup environments and you really do feel like you're a part of their team when that video hits like a hundred thousand followers and everyone's celebrating and like our shared Slack channel. Um, and so for us, like that's what really makes it matter. And, and that's what we really care about much more so than like, we just want to own TikTok. If, if we see another platform where, you know, we feel that we could provide a better service than TikTok, like we would have no hesitation to just jump to it. Um, it, it really is just where can we provide the most value to, to companies we work with? Yeah, I mean, do you have a general baseline? This is something I've talked about in a past episode, but the, 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 the question of, you know, should I be on this new social media platform? Because I think especially in the last 18 months, there seems like there's been a boondoggle of them. Um, and I, I tried to outline just a general checklist you should go through as to whether or not you should be on a new platform. I think TikTok, to your point, checks a lot of those boxes, right? My checklist is basically, does it have, a, does it provide a huge amount of potential for discoverability for really small brands? Um, and are those, are those new reach or those new audiences really specific and can they be reached organically? Um, and I think TikTok checks those boxes. The algorithm's great. It, it shows, it delivers videos to hyper relevant people in an organic way, right? And you don't need any following to, to be able to blow up there. But they have an entire 
app structure that's centered around discoverability and around people seeing new content. So for me, something like TikTok checked that box. Or for Instagram Reels, you know, that's something that also checked a lot of those boxes. Do you have a general outline of what a new platform would have to be for you guys to have that consideration? Um, or is it more of a, you know, feel them? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it comes down to just this this whole equation of like how much time you put into something and what your potential outcome could be. So like, for example, if you were to take, you know, Instagram and you were to post a hundred times, um, if you take how much that, you know, qu quantity of posts would be on a brand new account um, and how much energy it took to make those hundred posts and everything and looked at what like the best case scenario outcome could be, um, it, it probably wouldn't be as high. And so we just want to find those platforms where, you know, the more you post in a short amount of time, the higher potential it could have. Um, for us, I think potential really is the big driver. Um, and like, sure, some things could go viral on Instagram Reels or Instagram in general. Um, I think, you know, TikTok, there's just such a large following now. I, I, I want to say since sometime in 2020, TikTok has been like the most downloaded platform um, on the App Store, uh, like consecutively every single month. Um, and so like this, this wave of people coming to the platform and how they were built, like they really are the follower, the, the trendsetters of this new social media platform where, you know, you're not necessarily scrolling through people that you know, but it's more so just like videos that they think you're interested in. So um, in terms of a checklist, I mean, it really does come down to that equation of like how much energy and effort do you have to put into it and what would your like best case scenario result be, you know, call it a hundred posts from now. Yeah. No, okay. That, that makes sense. I, I always just use the very simple euphemism of bang for your buck. You know, and if this yep. platform, like you said, you can exert less effort to get a higher potential of result. Uh, I think that's somewhere that you should be focusing. So how do you, I'm curious, like as we get into this conversation, there's obviously a lot that goes into managing a TikTok account. You know, you're talking about minimums of 20 videos a month. Like that's a lot. But for a lot of businesses, that could be a supplementary thing. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm running digital strategy for clients of a lot of sizes, they want to be across a lot of channels. And I think it would be hard for them to grapple with the fact that they'd have to pay one person or one company um, one price for just one channel. You know, they'd want to be have more of a, an omnipresence across a lot of different channels. So how do you pitch to them that you know TikTok is its own beast? It's something that they have to invest separately in as compared to the other social media channels, which I'm sure they're also investing in. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, um, really the main thing is like we come off as a TikTok marketing agency, but the bottom line is we're actually a video production company at the end of the day. And we have the capability to make really high quality uh, videos. And so um, for us, it's like this TikTok in itself really drove um, a new format of video that is being repurposed across all different platforms. I mean, you look at what the, the effect has been with Instagram reels and um, YouTube shorts and Snapchat, uh, what's the, whatever spotlight, spotlight yeah, spotlight. Yeah. Um, and so like we give them the raw footage of all of our videos that are unedited, um, to then go and repurpose on other content as well. And I think the great thing, and this is where we can start to get into the ROI conversation is TikTok slogan is don't make ads, make TikToks. And I think that's why they have such like a low CPM um, is because like it's content that people actually want to watch. And it's not just 
like so fake and so staged and you just scroll through right away. Um, and, and so for us, it's like, this is the new version of what advertising should look like too. Um, and it's probably what's going to be the most effective is when you're watching a video and you don't know until the last five seconds that it's an ad. Um, and, and so that's what we strive to do with all of our videos. So these companies can go through and repurpose the content um, to use for Facebook advertising or TikTok um, ads if they wanted. Um, and so we, we really do take that approach of like, we're a video production company at the same time as we're a TikTok marketing agency. Yeah. Do you guys dabble into the paid side of, of TikTok at all? Like any of that management or do you just strictly provide the assets? Mainly provide the assets. We're partnering with um, another agency that we would essentially just like outsource the, uh, the uh, um, media buying to. Yeah. The media buying too, but we would still be in charge of like making all the content for it. Uh, you know, I have some experience in paid ads, but it's probably not enough for the companies that we're working with in terms of like, you know, national campaigns and how much goes into it. So we knew it was going to be an opportunity that we had to probably outsource. And I think TikTok, like it's becoming more of a pay to play platform, to be honest, um, with all their features of like being able to promote an influencer's posts that you have, um, which I think is genius. And um, just like the trackability of it and being able to grow an account quicker. So um, I think it is becoming more to pay to play. And that's why I'm really excited that we're diving into the paid side as well. Yeah. I mean, do you see that happening more across TikTok? I, I, I'm speaking very anecdotally here, but I remember I would say it was the summer of 2019. So I would say pretty much before it was really widely adopted. Like I, I remember still being a little embarrassed that I was a 20 year old or 21 year old at the time that had TikTok downloaded. Like there was, people forget, but there was a stage where that was a thing, right? Where people yep. were afraid to admit that they were on TikTok and watching TikTok. And that yep. was a lot more ubiquitous. But the, the, the platform it seemed like was really, I mean, it was like you posted a video and if it was good or unique, uh, it would blow up. You know, I run five-star football still and I created a five-star football TikTok. And I remember I was like the top nine videos on the hashtag football because nobody was posting football content. So it was one of those things where if you were unique or first or whatever it may be, just better that you were able to, to rise to the top of those hashtags and in turn get like millions of views. And I, obviously that's not the case so much anymore, but is it so you know, far removed? Like on a scale from Instagram to Facebook, where Facebook is like you have to literally pay to get your stuff seen by anybody that even follows you, to Instagram, I think it's probably moving closer to Facebook, but you still at least have some hope um, to be discovered by people that aren't following you. Do you, have you, have you seen that TikTok has moved really drastically in one direction? Yeah. How the natural progression of social media organic reach goes is typically the more people that are on there creating content, um, the it's supply and demand. So if there's more of the supply of the videos, that viralness is just going to start to go down. That's why when you were starting to create the football content right away, there wasn't really anyone else posting. And so you were able to see those huge views. So unfortunately, as long as TikTok continues to have more people on the app and more people creating content, the organic views are going to start to go down slower and slower. But the cool thing is that it's still mainly adopted for young people, which leaves like another, you call it 75% of the population out there that um, still would like theoretically need to download TikTok and use it. And it, the cool thing is that a lot of 30 plus year olds that we've talked to have said like TikTok is the one platform that they, they just don't understand. Like they, they were able to understand Snapchat. They were able to understand Instagram when it came out. But now um, TikTok is just like this kind of like 
whole nother thing that they don't want to dive into. So fortunately, I think it is going to be a good organic platform for a while, but um, I do think that, you know, every day it's going to be harder and harder to get that organic reach, at least the organic reach in a, in a short amount of time. Um, that's the biggest thing is it's just going to take longer to see the, that result that um, so many brands want. Yeah, I don't know if you were quoting the exact graphic that I put out like last week, but I made a literal supply and demand chart of... No way. I'm like, yeah, it, I, like you literally said the same thing, so I'm glad I wasn't completely off. So I remember staring at it for a while and like, I know this is kind of like what supply and demand is, but it was a couple of years since I've taken a, a microeconomics class, so I wasn't sure if I was completely right. But it was, I, don't, I have to also look it up, but it was like discoverability was on one side and supply of content was on the other. And just like yeah. you said, as you know, discoverability basically acting as viral potential. And as the increase of content moves and i had this represented in the graph so i should just show it to you and you can use it in your fancy newsletter whenever you want but um i'll 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 give you the idea for free as the just as the content increases the discoverability obviously goes down assuming that yeah. demand stays the same and it doesn't even decrease because as we get more of these platforms demand will probably tend to decrease a little bit more if you specific one. but no i completely agree i i i remember seeing really early on in tiktok's lifespan that they had one of the executives was talking about this creator economy that they were creating, or like this essentially a caste system on the platform where you had your Charlie D'Amelio's and Addison Ray's that were, for all intents and purposes, pretty arbitrarily selected, in air quotes around that, as people that they were going to boost in the algorithm um, and have them be these aspirational characters that people could come on and see. If I just post, like they're posting, I could reach that status and this then fosters this middle class of people that are i watched that a, same video yeah that are posting and that are you know creating content and then also consuming content um which obviously then farther incentivizes people the lower class to, to do the same thing as, as they move up in followers and in status on the platform so it's it was super it's a super interesting concept and something that is obviously applicable to all platforms but it was so interesting i think this just comes back to take back how pure of a discoverability platform it is like it literally is a every chance you get every every post you post you have a chance to blow up and it's yep. just it almost seems like it's a matter of time which is so smart of them, that it seems like a matter of time before you blow up because it, it seems inevitable and that's fostered by the the way that they really push this algorithmic feed early on and what yep. continues now yeah it's genius it, it really is genius i mean and again the thing is is you could go viral over the simplest things like I, do you remember the football bros or whatever which, yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure you recorded hundreds of those videos when you were younger or something along those lines and uh for some reason it caught on and i mean like oh i bet you almost every nfl team commented on um that video nfl like they had a commercial made for them so like it, it's that's the exact epitome of what tiktok wants because then all those other boys are going to start posting videos like that and the spiral effect is just insane I completely agree. So I, I, I want to look back a little bit here and, you know, kind of wrap up this conversation shortly. But I had on a couple weeks ago now um, some kid who was like 18 years old and he ran a bunch of these Instagram theme accounts. Um, He's a really nice kid. And he was super sharp, really smart. And he knew, you know, he, he was very much in this world that you and I were both in at one point, um, like knees deep in this, like, you know, Instagram theme page world. Um, and I want to bring it up because I'm assuming it's something you don't get to talk about on a regular basis and it's stuff that I like to talk about a lot. Do you think that where you are at right now in, in your life is sort of like this natural progression of where these kids like you and I end up? Because I think we're two interesting case studies of like kids that had these 
self-starting events, you know, early on in their lives that all had to deal with social media. And we, you know, maybe had some success early. Um, and it, it almost seems like we're now, you know, whether it be like chasing the success or, or trying to monetize some of the skills that we learned really early on in our lives. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, like what, how that experience early on in your life has formed what you're doing now and how you think about your career as it goes forward. Yeah, so, so just for some context, um, one of my best friends and I bought a sports Instagram account with 40,000 followers in high school, um, grew it to like 80,000 followers, and then got acquired by this sports media company, um, and then got paid to run their main NFL account, which at one point had a little over 290,000 followers. Um, this was all like high school and then mainly freshman and part of sophomore year of college. So um, yeah, I think it's the epitome of what the creator economy is coming into. Um, when you look at the skills that young people have, um, I, I remember I made a LinkedIn post about this and I forget exactly what the numbers were, but um, there's that study out there, a story that shows like you need 10,000 hours to really become a master at something. And based on how much screen time, you know, kids eight through 15 use per day, um, they're masters of their phone and then hence like social media before they're even like 18 years old with how many, how much time they spend on the platform or something crazy like that. And, and so really like when you're looking, when you have that entrepreneurial itch or you have that desire of like, Hey, I want to build something. I want to do something. You know, I think 70% of young kids, this was probably before TikTok, but said that their dream job was to be a YouTuber, which means they just want to start creating content for a ton of people to see. Um, and I think that just falls in hand because they, they're experts in it. They watch content all the time. They're constantly just viewing these people and learning from them without even like physically knowing it. And so when it comes to like, okay, what can I do? The thing that just progresses so naturally is that idea of, hey, I could start a you know, X amount or I could start a page or this page or this page or start creating content um, because it's just what comes naturally to a lot of young people. So we're at this really interesting place where now, especially with this new, um, you know, the college athletes being able to monetize their brand, like anyone and everyone can start growing a following literally when they're like 12 years old. Um, and, and so I think that is just a huge advantage to young kids that are interested in entrepreneurship is they could launch their first business with already the experience of managing or having, you know, a following of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people um, before they even get to like theoretically when their careers start after college um, or even when they're in college. So I'm, I'm super curious. I think, I think that we're going to see more and more people buying into the creator economy. I think the idea of entrepreneurship, the ones that are successful and successful at an early age are the ones that build a following as young as possible um, because they can just go ahead, turn around and do whatever they're passionate about. And they have, you know, 10,000 loyal people that are really ready and willing to just buy something like that. Um, so I'm super interested to see what the next like five ish years comes like for young entrepreneurs. Cause I think it's just going to be a huge spike. Yeah. I think that point about 10,000 hours is, is so smart to me. These kids are so freaking hireable out of high school. I mean, it's insane. And, and I, I call them kids because the ones that I know and the ones that I talk to are in like this 15 to 18 year old age range and they have better marketing skills than I would say 85 to 90% of people that probably work in traditional corporate marketing. And I wouldn't even want those kids to go into traditional corporate marketing because I think it would suck the soul out of them because I don't think people understand how 
smart and how much kids like that can can do for a business and can do for you know like the brand and the, and the bottom line of, of whoever they're working for and you know i work with uh, an account manager who is a kid that just graduated high school here in minnesota uh, and this kid has taught me just so much about the the techniques and the the best practices of, of social media and things that like seem dumb and seem weird but i, I did an episode about this it all seems to end up trickling down to what the, the clients that you and I work with do anyway. You know, it, it just starts with these 16 year olds that are running a, a football team page out of their parents' basement. And so it's yeah. like, if this is gonna end up being the best practices for everybody three years from now, why don't we just go to the source of these really smart kids that are, like you said, getting all this practice and gaining all this expertise really early, early on in life. And, and I, would, I would say to some of these kids, like you know, maybe we're not quite to that point yet, um, and I wish I was in a better position to like hire some of these kids, but like don't go to college and just kind of do what you're doing now. And you know, the whole college bit is not something I want to get into. And I, I think there's a lot <laughs> said, but you know, for some of these kids, and I, I'm assuming you kind of fall in the same boat as me, like, you know, college is a really fun experience and um, now getting on attention, but um, college is a, was a fun experience. And I often think that the people who seem to really rage against college probably didn't have a lot of friends because I think if anybody had a, like, if anybody had a lot of friends in college and you know went out and kind of lived a normal life, like I think you appreciate college and you're glad you went. Um, but at the same time, you and I would probably both admit that the degrees that we got probably weren't necessary to start doing the work that we're doing right now. I think people would have hired us either way, whether we had a college degree or not. And so for some of these kids, like I said, I wish I was in a better position because I would be hiring them full time to, to work with me and, and run accounts for clients because they, you know, the things they think about in order to boost engagement into increased numbers and the, the creative strategies I have are you know, just beyond the pale of what I can think about sometimes. And so rant or tangent aside, I, I, I really do think that your, your point about the 10,000 hours things is really smart. And I, and I do, to answer my own question, think that where we're at is sort of that natural progression of where some of these kids are going to be at. They're going to see that, you know, the, the skills that they have are, are really valuable. And I, I, I think they just need to be reminded of that. Yeah, it's funny whenever someone whenever like I've done a couple speaking events or like on a podcast and it's like, oh, what can we do to like help you out? And the biggest thing I tell them is when they're hiring young people, don't just hire them on as interns and don't let them have like any say at like the, you know, obviously if it's a Fortune 500 company or a massive company, like probably not. But for, you know, your small to medium sized brands, you should have anyone from 16 to 20 years old sitting in at like the C, uh, CMO meetings where they're going over the high level marketing strategy of what they're trying to achieve and get insight from these young people um, because it's, it's so valuable and, and like you need that fresh perspective of new eyes that isn't just attuned to what every you know, marketer has done for the past um, you know, 20 years plus with like this new digital age. Um, because I think we're, we're kind of at like this new cycle of what um, marketing is and it's really going away from like, the, like it's all about the creative now in my mind, as there's more, um, you know, limitations on who you can target on different ads, it, it really is going to come down to, are you making content that people want to watch? And no one knows that better um, than those, you know, 16 to 20 year olds uh, that, you know, still have like that completely um, just, innocent mind to the world and, and they can just see things from a whole new perspective that we can't. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I think that, that one of those last points you made was, was really well taken. The fact that 
as these privacy restrictions, and this is speaking from somebody, you know, I spend nearly half my time every week working at a, an ad agency and like the data that is being clawed back from these platforms and probably in rightfully so is staggering. And the effects that it's having on businesses' bottom lines is going to make businesses, one has to be a lot smarter. And I, and I think this like data privacy thing is probably going to push out a lot of like dumb money that's going to make yeah. people that, you know, you could, you could, you could spend money on Facebook in a lot of dumb ways in the past. And I think have results that were good, if not great, uh, but that's not going to be the case anymore. So I think businesses are going to have to get creative. And I think to your point, it's going to be a lot less of, of pay to play and the, the whole organic reach thing is going to come back full circle. And yeah. the, the stuff that teams like yours are doing to make meaningful, relevant content is going to be increasingly important. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think even, even off like the social dilemma and everything, um, even when I look about like letting my kids have social media, you just have to be so careful with so much because it's, it's a, it's a trap that you can just fall into so fast. And the idea of like how addicted people are to their phones um, is, is just wild because like all these platforms are so good at getting you to come back. I mean, I, I usually try to delete Instagram um, and even TikTok for some days during the week, just because like, I, I want to have focus. I don't want to just pick up my phone and mindlessly scroll for 10 minutes. But the emails I get saying like, hey, you know, this person just sent you a message. Come back into the app. Is It's just so fascinating. Or they tell me like this person posted and it's probably someone that I engage with quite a bit um, on these social media platforms. And so, yeah, the, the whole social media space is going to be interesting. It's obviously always going to be important, but I think more and more people are just being mindful about like what is good content to post and to consume and, um, and everything. So I, I'm super fascinated to see how it uh, continues to progress into the future. Yeah. So one of my, one of my final questions, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm, I'm just curious. I got this question, you know, family reunion, a lot of people want to know where you're going to be in like five years. And I think it's hard for me to forecast where I'm going to be that far. I don't even like doing the whole thought experiment myself because it's just like stress inducing more than it is helpful. How do, how do you forecast out, you know, what you want your success to be personally, professionally for the business? Uh, and, you know, for me, it was one of those things where I spent so much time, I felt like getting ready in late 2020 to go full time after I graduated in January of 2021. And I, I spent so much time, you know, doing the outbound work of getting clients and making sure that I was going to have what I believe to be a sufficient replacement income to what a normal full-time job would be. So my head was down that I didn't even look past a month from whenever I was working. I was just like, I, I'm so focused on this January 4th start date that I just, nothing else matters. And now that I've gotten into it and I'm six months removed from starting, I realize more and more I have to put my head up and think, okay, this is great. And I think I'm going to be fine next month. You know, it's no longer like a, I need to struggle to survive months at a time. I, I probably should start, focusing on on months or, or years in advance. So what, what is your timeline like and, and how far in the future do you forecast your your wins and, and where you want to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can tell you I fall into the exact same boat as you. Um, you know, if you've ever read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, I'm much more someone that likes to control the process and not necessarily try to dictate the result. Like, for example, if our goal is to hit, you know, 500,000 in sales next year, um, that's, that's so much less tangible than saying, I'm going to try to reach out to 10 clients every single day, which is then going to allow us to potentially hit that 500,000 mark. If, um, you know, we take X 
conversion rate. So for us, it really is like, what are the variables we can control and what are the variables that we can't control as much um, and, and use that. So I, I'm in the same boat. I don't like to get fixated on just these like random projections that you can make, but more, more so like what can you do on a day-to-day -day basis or even week, weekly basis that will dictate your income, you know, two years, five years, 10 years um, down the road. But in terms of like an actual answer of where our business is trying to get to, I think the biggest thing for us is that scalability, like how as a marketing agency and content creation, you know, company, can we get to the point where like we don't have to have such like a hands-on approach? Um, I mean, right now we've already figured out a pretty good process for um, like the video editing. We're able to essentially edit videos for like $7 and they look really good and um, it, it, it's pretty wild. And so next step for us is like, building out this, this model of where we can pull, um, where we can find videographers from all across, videographers and TikTok creators from all across the US um, and, and be able to like have them be in locations where our clients are at. Um, so then it's like our team theoretically could be there. Like we're still the ones coming up with the ideas, but our team is there shooting hands-on for them and editing the content or being able to just send over the footage to our brands, which I think that model in it, in itself could really allow us to one start to utilize like technology behind that um, and become more of like a software company as well, where we would just help brands find videographers or creators um, specifically to like TikTok or short form, like not super high end um, $10,000 videos, but like those quick, easy hitting um, videos that a lot of people are trying to find these days um, and, and almost be like that, marketplace uh ask effect so we have a lot of things that we're trying to work on in the background um and and again for us it is just that how can we get to that point of scaling so we're testing a couple ideas but uh we'll, we'll see what what ends up sticking that's awesome man i really appreciate you you hopping on and you're getting are you getting married this year as well is the wedding um, 2021 it's actually a year and one day from now well congratulations man that's really exciting is it going to be in north dakota yep Yep, it's in it's in North awesome. Dakota. Very fun. Well, congratulations to to you and your fiance. That's crazy. Dude, uh, that's like a whole like different life event. Like that's uh, I feel like getting engaged like that was something I was figured I'd do when I was old, and now you yeah. start to take stock of where you are, and you're like, oh, I just might be old now. And so that's uh, that's got to be like a, a bit of like a not a wake up call, but just a, a nice milestone in your life. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about it. And so I'm turning 23 in August. And it's like, wow, I'm probably closer to having kids than I am to starting college, which is just scary to think about. <laughs> scary and exciting and all the good things at once. So luckily, yeah. hopefully you have a little bit of time time before that happens. And you've also yeah. been posting something I just want to throw in at the end about meeting Gary Vee. And hopefully that can also happen in, in 2021 kind of make hey, this, uh, yeah. this we'll, next we'll 365 for you really eventful. I know, I know. Maybe my birthday is another one that I could potentially see. I'll probably toss that out as like an ask for people to just, uh, uh, um, you know, take Gary for me or something. So there's, there's some creative things. One thing that I've really been thinking about doing is like um, getting a fat head uh, cut out of like that picture um, and sending it to Gary and then just like, you know, sending it to their office and then, um, seeing if, uh, if he'd be willing to like take a picture in that way. But, um, I don't know. I feel like it'd be cool if he was the one that like saw it. I don't want to put in too much energy to where it's just like easy for him in a sense. Cause I do still want it to be like, you know, meaningful to some degree. Um, so we'll see.
Awesome. Well, Jimmy, I appreciate it. Good luck to uh, to you and your team. Pitch up. Where, where can people sign up for the newsletter? Because I do love the newsletter that you get in your inbox um, every week. It's super helpful to kind of take stock of what's going on on TikTok. I'm a regular user, but it's still helpful to kind of take it from a, a business lens of, okay, you're getting like really cool, you know, puppy videos, Tyler, but you probably actually need to learn about how this is going to help uh, a client's ROI. So where can they sign up for that? Because it's something I found super useful. Yeah, we probably should make it a lot easier. Um, on our website, there's a number there that you can text and you'll get like a link to sign up. That's probably the easiest. Um, otherwise, I mean, I'm super active on LinkedIn um, and you could just like DM me and ask for uh, ask for the uh, uh, sign up link and I could get that to you pretty quick. Awesome. Well, Jimmy, I appreciate it. I want you to have a good uh, rest of your week and good luck to you and the team. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right. See ya.